1: Good afternoon, everyone. This is your call to worship. Today is the third Saturday of April, April 15, 2023. Greetings on behalf of our pastor, Reverend Dr. Melisyn Black. Welcome to Refuge from the Storm, a ministry of hope, encouragement, and purpose. We seek to serve targeted individuals in North America and around the world. For our regular members, our new listeners and guests, Thank you for spending a portion of your Saturday with us. Your presence is very important to us, and thank you for coming. It's something that will encourage you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will exalt you. Remember, God is fighting your battles, arranging things in your favor, making a way, even when we don't see it. Our serving team today is Brother Bob Pierce, our Zoom moderator, Sister Helena Thompson, our Minister of Music. Pastor Milson will offer the altar prayer today, and she will also deliver the preached word. Sister Greta Ayers will offer the invitation to discipleship, and I, Carolyn Cunningham, will serve as your worship leader. We ask all of you on this call to pray in your daily prayers Refuge from the Storm Church members, the worldwide church, our families and friends, TIs around the world, advocacy and activist groups, the loved ones of those who've died from targeting from all viruses and other catastrophic illnesses, especially those that were induced. Also pray that all government officials be moved by the Holy Spirit discern the will of God to do it and not do their will. Please pray also for world peace, all refugees, victims of the worldwide climate crisis, and that includes all of us on earth. Pray for the loved ones of all those who've perished from gun violence and all violence, and for the survivors who have sustained severe injuries also pray for all children especially those who are being trafficked and please pray for all parents who have lost their children to the unjustly to the foster care system thank you for your attention now We will listen to our opening praise and worship song for today. After that, I will lead you to the rest of the worship service. As a friendly reminder, please mute your phone if there's any background noise where you are by pressing star six. And be blessed.
0: I give thanks and praise to God, our Father, and to the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, our elder brother, for each of you who are worshiping with us today, those two Amen. songs were so special and precious to me. Especially what I've been through in the last few days, as the adversary has pulled out all the stops to try and stop my progress in the things of God. But I just got the the unction, I guess, from the the uh, words to the song "Redeemer." You know. We have to consider the fact that without Jesus Christ, who is our redeemer, he's the one who purchased us back from a a sudden and a certain death and hell. We have to know that he lives. We have to know that because we can look around and see the reality of, of a living God and Jesus is living because of God and we're living because of Jesus today. And then I sat at the computer with tears in my eyes because of the things that I was dealing with. And that song, You Made a Way. And he started out by saying, don't know how, but you did it. And that's the way we prayerfully have been able to live our lives in these last weeks, months, and years. And for some of us, decades of being in this cruel and evil program, God just makes a way. He keeps on making a way every time we turn around, because it seems like our back is up against the wall, but he makes a way, he moves mountains, he causes them to fall and he gets rid of our enemies from from time to time so that we can have a little bit of peace. That's the God who loves us and he knows how to make a way. I join Elder Carolyn in welcoming you to this service and to any or all of the services that we offer each week. We come to you as a legally recognized church, offering all of the services that are offered to those who worship in a brick and mortar building. It is with much appreciation that I present to you to uh, the ministry team. Elder Carolyn read off some of them today, who are are, are sharing in the ministry so in the ministry today. But then there are others who serve, and each of us take pride in serving you, we offer ourselves to God as offerings of worship so that he can use us, that you might benefit from our submission to his will. Now, let me personally thank each of you who make up our ministry team, our worship leader. We have our minister, Rochelle joining us uh, as a teacher on Wednesday nights. That's a Thursday night. That's going to be such a blessing. We have Sister Greta who offers our invitation to discipleship and Minister Helena who comes with that wonderful music each week in spite of her own challenges with her health. Then we have Brother Bob who is our Zoom and talk show moderator. He's the one who Uh, sees to it that the services are made available for you to review each week after the services are over. He does so many jobs and he is such a valuable part of our ministry team. And then we have advisors, you all. We don't just decide what to do and do it. We don't take care of our own business. We have people outside of the church realm to whom we report. They're all Christians. They're all ministers of the gospel. They know and understand the importance of handling God's business, God's way. And so we submit even then to an advisory team. We thank God for the blessed privilege of serving you through our Zoom and our TalkShoot platforms. God bless you and thank you for being with us. Now our scripture for this afternoon, I'm gonna be talking out of a couple of them. I'll be reading scripture from one passage in, in particular and that's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, and verses 13 and 14. And it reads thus, I passed on to you what was most important, and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. But tell me this. This is verse 12. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has been raised, has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is in vain. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come this evening, Lord, asking you to bless the hearts and the minds of the hearers, Lord. I ask you, Father God, to open us up that we might see God with our ears, of the ears of our heart, Lord. Help us to see God with the eyes of our spirit the great and mighty and wonderful thing you did to us in Jesus Christ and in his resurrection. Father, I do pray today that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight for you are my strength and my redeemer in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of the message this afternoon is proof of the resurrection. Proof of the resurrection. What does it usually take for you to believe that a miracle has occurred? Think back through your own minds. When you hear that a loved one has been cured of cancer or saved from a horrible accident, maybe they were kept from sudden death of heart attack or stroke. Does that make you believe that a miracle has been worked at the hands of an almighty God? What about something that is less physical a bill got paid when there was no money to pay it. A repair bill was not as much as expected. A grade was passed when you had fear of failing. These are not life saving, but can be considered miracles nonetheless, especially to the one who receives the good news. Since I was a child, there were certain holidays that were celebrated without question. Thanksgiving, Christmas and Easter, the Resurrection Sunday, were days that were not questioned in the Christian community that I grew up in. We knew that Jesus was born, the old people used to say, to save a wretch like me. We knew that it was a virgin birth announced by the angels and confirmed by the wise men. After Christmas, attention would be turned to the weeks that led up to the Resurrection Sunday. We used to call them Easter. This day was important because it confirmed that our sins were forgiven and that death and the grave had no victory over any person who professed to hope in Jesus Christ, who is the resurrected Savior. The Romans were so trusting in the truth of Jesus' resurrection that they said God set the tomb. I'm just taking you back a little bit to just after the crucifixion. I don't think they were worried about his body being stolen as much as that he would really come back to life. You know, Jesus had been telling them that he would be crucified, but in three days, he was going to be raised again. Those who were present at the crucifixion believed that the body needed anointing. You know, the ladies were the ones who went to the tomb early on Sunday morning and they were going there to anoint Jesus's body with oil. Is it any question that Jesus became Jesus Christ and Christ meaning the anointed one and his anointing after the resurrection? It wasn't the oil in the hands of the women, though, that brought Jesus back to life, but the anointing of the Holy Spirit who was resident on the inside of Jesus that makes us call him today, the Christ. That's what raised him. And we're told that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. He'll quicken even our mortal bodies. The pericope today finds the apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth about the reality of the resurrection. There were those who walked around and they did not believe that Jesus had been raised from the dead, and they were talking negatively to those who did believe and had placed their faith and their hope in the fact that Jesus did rise just like he said, I think that I was grown before I heard anyone question the reality of there being a God. There has not been that much question about the resurrection either, but plenty have made the declaration that they do not believe in God. I never really gave that much thought, but if they don't believe in God, then they can't believe in Jesus. Without Jesus, there can be no forgiveness of sin, no fellowship with God the Father, no resurrection from the dead, and no eternal life. Paul, having had a real encounter with Jesus himself, is ready and able to defend his faith. And you and I must always be ready to tell others, why do we believe? Why do we believe there's a God? Why do we believe that Jesus actually was born and why of a virgin? And why do we believe that he died on a cross and that he rose from the dead? We have to be willing to explain to people why we have a hope in Jesus Christ so that they too might come to believe. More than that, Paul is able to question the church at Corinth in a way that they are forced to think through the confession of their faith or their lack there are. One thing that about fake, false and phony is that it will show up in the pretenders. Now I'm reminded of a man who had been sentenced to death row. This was literally a a black and white television uh, movie one night, he was gruff and he was a bully who seemed to not be afraid of anything. People kind of stayed out of his way and he wasn't always so kind. They called him Bugsy, Bugsy, Bugsy. The night of his execution came and Bugsy was offered his last meal and he made the selection of his harsh desire declaring that he was not afraid of what was coming which was the end of his life. They came to get Bugsy just before midnight for his last walk through the corridors of the prison on his way to the electric chair. Bugsy started out walking on his own, but before he got to the chair, old Buxley was practically being carried by the guards, and he was screaming in fear because he did not have a hope of eternal life. Apparently, Bugsy had been rejecting a new life in Christ Jesus during his stay in the maximum security prison. It seems that Buxley decided to pass the prayer meetings. He didn't want to go to the Bible studies or attend the church services. Perhaps Buxy rejected all attempts of being introduced to Jesus, the savior of man. So when it came time to leave this life, Buxy had no idea of a savior who would be waiting on the other side of this life. He didn't have the assurance of the city that was lit by God himself. He didn't expect to hear the angels singing, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. The idea here is that if there is no Jesus, then there is no chance of a resurrection. But no, if there was no Adam and Eve, we have to look at, go all the way back to the beginning. If there were no Adam and Eve, if there were no sinners who could not stay in communion with God, if there was no devil who wanted to keep man enslaved to sin and darkness, if there was no desire of God to have a people who wanted to, who would be eligible, to praise and worship him, we would not have need of a Jesus. There would be no need of a savior, but we do and he did and he is. Paul challenges the church with the names of eyewitnesses to the resurrected Jesus. He was seen by Peter, then by the 12 disciples. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive at the point that Paul was writing, though I'm sure that they're all dead now. Then Jesus was seen by James and later by all of the apostles. Last of all, Paul described himself. He said, I saw him last, for I am the least of the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church. You see, Paul himself was even caught up in sin and he was sinning against the church. One thing that the people don't understand when they attack a Christian is when they attack a Christian, a child of God, they aren't really attacking the person, they're attacking the the creator of the person. The enemy doesn't want to hurt us. He wants to use us to hurt God. And so when he tortures us and traumatizes us and when we have to live through slander and character assassination and watch our loved ones be mistreated, it's not about us, y'all. It's about the God who created us and the God who loves us and Jesus the Christ who saved us from the penalty of sin. Scripture tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The recipe had been written for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The answer created a need for the gift. Jesus was the answer. Jesus was the gift. He was born as a baby, walked among men, taught in the temple, healed. He saved, he delivered, and he fed thousands with two fish and five loaves of bread. Then we hear of Jesus who raised the dead back to life. Jesus came to save us. So how could man live in sin and separation from God without a man in the middle? Jesus became our man in the middle. That's where we found him on Calvary, the man in the middle between two thieves where even there he made intercession for the world and one who hung beside him on a cross. On the cross, Jesus prayed for forgiveness. The first assignment after the resurrection was to get word to Peter that he was still accepted in the beloved. And then according to Paul, the last act on earth for our savior was to grant forgiveness to himself, to Paul himself the one who admitted that he was chief among sinners and more in need of forgiveness than anyone. Like any man or woman today, even Paul held on to the reality of the risen Christ, knowing that his very future depends on the fact that Jesus is not dead, but alive. And because he lives, our past is forgiven. Our present, today makes sense. And our future is secure only because Jesus lives and made a way. If God is dead, then Jesus is dead. If Jesus is dead, then there is no resurrection from the dead. If Jesus is dead, we have no hope of eternal life. And so the songwriter says it best. If God is dead, what makes the flowers bloom? If God is dead, what makes summer come in June? If God is dead, who listens and answers prayer? I'm glad I know he lives. He lives, he lives, he lives. If God is dead, what makes the... Okay. What makes the flowers bloom? I'll just repeat that because we need to hear it. If God is dead, what makes summer come in June? Have you ever thought about the question? The answer to those questions? Have those ever been, been a question in your mind? And I want you to understand that as I'm reading these off to you, these are literally the words of a song, a very wonderfully sung song. But it's also words that could be used by you to explain why you believe that Christ is alive today. It's because Jesus is alive that we're able to experience life in this in this world, that we're able to see and know the light that is not just given by the sun, the moon, and the stars, but the light that shines in each of us who is the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The songwriter went on and says, I can feel him moving in the breeze. Can you feel him through the wind and through the trees? I can see him shining through the night in the stars that shine so bright. And then she asked the question real big. If God is dead, what makes my life worth living? I'm glad I know he lives. He lives, he lives, he lives, he lives. And because God lives, Jesus lives. And because Jesus lives, we have hope of the resurrection. And because we have hope of the resurrection, We can know eternal life because of the power of the proof of the resurrection that he lives. Amen. Plus.